Bibles, I want you to look with me, if you would, at Genesis chapter 6. You probably have already looked at these verses, and of course, when uh, we do deal with uh, a subject that maybe people don't quite understand, we want to explain the Scriptures. Uh, the Scripture really is our foundational uh, truth. And we know that, of course, we have built our lives upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And so, uh, looking at the Word of God this morning, verse number 8 is the main emphasis. If you look at that verse again, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's not just Noah found grace, like I find faith or I found religion or whatever. Uh, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so you could put your own name in there. You know, Dean found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so we would wonder, I wonder if God sees me uh, as a person that would be worthy of grace. We would sometimes be confused uh, because this is Old Testament. We know in the New Testament, in the book of Titus, Titus chapter 3, that the grace of God has appeared unto all men. And so we understand that the grace of God has been seen, uh, and, and his name is Jesus Christ. And because God had enough grace for all of us to send Jesus Christ to take the payment for us. And so with that in mind, we look at the text a little bit more of understanding why I'm in this passage. There's a lot here we know according to the scriptures that when Jesus was confronted about his second coming, he said it'll be like the days of Noah. And so we look at our time in which we live, um, that there is uh, a time here where we, in introduction, looking at this and seeing that there's a time uh, in the passage, verse number four, look at your text, if you would. It does talk about giants, and we have probably thought about that and say where there, you know, giants talking about these huge people. Um, and the commentaries kind of, in a way, are divided on the issue, but there were giants in the earth in those days. And I looked up the word giants here, and, and, uh, and really we were talking about men who have apostatized. These were bullies. They were, these were tyrants. Um, they were um, men that have um, taken people away from uh, the truth of God's word. Uh, they were reckless men. Uh, one place actually said they were men of ferocity. Uh, ferocious men. They were daring men. And these were uh, uh, people who, who uh, people would look to as heroes. Uh, they were conquerors of the day. Um, we think about these particular men um, and, and, and know that we live in a world today where there are um, men who have apostatized uh, there are bullies that live in our culture today. They're reckless. Uh, we know that there are false teachy, teachers uh, out there. Uh, we know that there are systems and philosophies of belief that are being put into our public school systems that are anti-God. And we know this. It's, it's the, it's the uh, 
It's, it's evident in our culture that it's like the days of Noah. And Jesus was saying that, of course, they're giving in marriage and so on. We could say that they're drinking and so on and partying and all that, too. It's all happening. And so when we look at the grace of God, and in spite of all that that's going on in the culture, back then Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And you can find grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so as we think about the subject, we must then go to the New Testament and understand a little bit more of Noah and Noah's time. Um, Look at verse number 5, if I can explain that to you a little further. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, uh, and that every imagination, look at that word imagination, circle it, underline it. It's talking about the intent um, and, and the intent uh, of the thoughts. This is the reasoning of the minds of men. That's what it's talking about here. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every, uh, the whole earth was full of people who had the intent and reasoning and of the thoughts and the intents of the heart, the intents are their feelings. And again, what you think is caused how you feel, which actually causes you how to respond and so, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continuously, continually. And so that's the culture in which we live in today. It's similar to what it was like in Noah's time. And so it gives us a little bit more of the understanding as way of introduction. So the word of God then gives us the record of Noah and his faithfulness to God during times like that. Um, If Noah can do it, we can too. But let me just direct you a little bit more to the New Testament, because it was the elders then that by faith obtained the good report. By faith, Abel's worship was accepted. Remember that it was Enoch by faith walked with God. And by faith, uh, Noah worked, and so you had the, the walk and the work, and then you have the worship. Abraham, of course, by faith, waited on God for the appointed time. And so all of that was involved, but it was involved and done by faith. And so our focus is really going to be on Noah, verse number 7 of Hebrews chapter 11, which is the New Testament Leviticus, helps us to understand a little bit more of what we're dealing with with this thing called faith. With Noah, it says, by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, as of yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which he condemned the world, and he became an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. And so he became heirs of righteousness, not by works, but by faith. And so you can become righteous, not by your works, but by putting your faith in the only one that can appease God, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot appease him. And so what he's looking for now is not your work, but your faith. Your faith placed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you placed your faith in him? Do you trust him? Do you realize that your decisions that you make weekly uh, uh, can be actually changed if you don't trust the Lord? Don't trust your own knowledge. Remember that, that you're supposed to, in all things, acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it never rained really before the flood and before this. And so there had to be an incredible amount of faith that Noah had to be able to build 
this huge, huge ark. Uh, I think about how that the Bible says in verse number 6 of chapter 2 of Genesis, but there went up a mist from the earth and the water of the whole face of the ground. And so there was this mist that we actually would come up from the ground that watered everything, but it didn't come from above as of yet. And so we study the book of, uh, the book of Genesis and we see the Noah account. We realize that Noah really uh, is a 10th generation from Adam. So there was 10 generations going all the way back. And I don't have time to give you the whole genealogy, but it's been a long period of time all the way from Adam to Noah. Life for Noah got pretty interesting after his 500th birthday. Uh, things got pretty interesting me after my 50th birthday. But you think about living 500 years and then things begin to change. Noah lived to be 950 years old and uh, 350 years after the flood. Uh, kind of interesting when you think about the length of someone living that long. Methuselah the oldest person that ever lived in the Bible was 969 years old, and this was Noah's grandpa. And so give us a little bit more of an understanding. Noah's ark was a third of the size of the Titanic. Um, nearly 300 cultures agree that there was a catastrophic flood. If you look at the, even the Chinese believe that the whole earth was destroyed by water. The Bible tells us, uh, exactly where Noah's Ark has landed gives us the ability to know that it was true. And the Ark itself was uh, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide. So um, 75 feet wide, it's a pretty, pretty long space. I, I think when it goes as far as the height, it was 45 feet high. Uh, the total deck space was uh, 97,700 square feet. So that was equivalent to 20 standard college basketball courts. 20 of them would be the, the uh, total deck space. When I was in, the, in the, the Marines, I was able to be on the USS Pensacola, and that was, uh, I brought in helicopters, the CH-56 uh, was the most modern, has two propellers on it, would come from Lebanon and bring me out to the deck, and they would clear it, of course, and they would land on the deck itself. And when we were coming back from Lebanon, and they kept playing on the road again by Willie Nelson, uh, as we were heading through the gates of Gibraltar, I was on top of that, that, that ship, and I was looking around, and of course, I had a little boombox, and remember those back in the day? And I'm sitting up on the deck thinking, man, this is incredible, uh, but that deck space was so small compared to the deck space, which would be 97, uh, would be 97,700 feet uh, that was actually on Noah's Ark. It was the largest ship ever built till 1854. 1884. And then nearly was half the length of Queen Mary. I don't know if you've studied that at all, but the Ark had more carrying space um, and could put 520 rail cars on it. So, um, so the, the weights and, and the width, um, it was a, is a pretty big ship. The Ark is one of the, is one of the un, unanswered wonders of all time. And most men forget to take into consideration that God was the architect of the Ark. Um, and so we think about it. There is the Ark, uh, what do they call that? The Ark experience or something that you can go on? The, the Ark what? Encounter? Yeah. How many have ever been that? Raise your hand. 
Wow, that's interesting, you know. And, and when you get there, you're, you're way off in the parking lot. You're looking at it and say, wow, that's bigger than I thought. The Amish helped construct that because they're good with wood, and you may have done a little history uh, with it. But to bring it to, to life and to be able to see it, it just builds up our faith to know that, that Noah was a real person, and there was a real ark. And he, by faith, did all of that. Uh, I think it would be good for us to understand uh, verse number 8, when Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because man's wickedness, uh, God had grown very angry because of it. And, and I think that God is pretty sick of what he sees here on this earth in these days. Man has come up with all kinds of different inventions and, and uh, disgusting things. And you don't have to get into it all because we don't have to dwell on that. We're supposed to let our minds be in Christ and, and, on, and on the things that are positive, which it really is the light of Jesus Christ. But let me help you understand a little further when it comes to this whole thing about finding grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so let me have, uh, my first point would be grace described. Uh, let me just describe to you, if I can, a little bit concerning the, 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 the understanding of the first mention, if you would. And this is the first mention of grace in the Bible. It's found in, in Genesis chapter 6. The word grace is mentioned. What does it mean? Uh, many people would define it as the free, unmerited favor of God. Free, unmerited, you didn't have to earn it. Uh, favor of the living God, gratis. It is free, the application of Christ's righteousness to the sinner, a state of reconciliation to God. We see this uh, in Romans chapter 3, verse 24. The Bible says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And so freely is mentioned in verse number 24 of Romans chapter 3, being justified freely by his grace, and it denotes that it is it is granted without anything done on our part or merit to deserve it. It is clearly evident that if man, men, sinful and sinning, are to be justified at all, it must be done through the free grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, grace is free. Uh, the Bible says in Job chapter 14, verse number 1, that man is born of a woman in a few days and full of trouble. And therefore, man has no uh, capability of making himself righteous. And that law of first mention, uh, the first time a word or doctrine is mentioned in the Scriptures, carries with the meaning that, we, that will be carried all through the Word of God. Go a little further, grace means this. God gives to all uh, what is justly due them after uh, the application of the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And so as a child of God, you will receive then what is the justly yours positionally. The word uh, to describe grace, uh, one word would be the favor of God placed upon you. And really the question is, have you found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Um, if you are religious and you have this desire to constantly do religious things, you may never have come to the personal understanding that Jesus Christ wants to save you. Because it's not doing religious things. You can go ahead and, and be baptized every single Sunday. You can, uh, you can be kind to people all week long, and you can give all your money away. But if you do not have love, you are empty. 
And remember that God is love. And God was personified when Jesus Christ walked on this earth. And have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? So what is grace? God had condemned all the world because of the wickedness. We see that in Genesis chapter 6, verse number 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. So God even repented of the fact that he made man, and his grace provided a way for God to accept man. And Noah's Ark is a picture of Christ, and it is through Christ that God accepts man's reconciliation. So what an awful state of things when only one man or one family Um, was now existing among the professions uh, at that particular time that there was just one simple family, uh, a man and woman, their sons and their wives, just one family, went on the ark, and everybody else pretty much mocked him and laughed at him. And I I can tell you that after the rains began to fall and and that they may have found um, wood in the fingernails of those that tried to get in the door, and uh, I remember years ago being at the post office and there was a song on that particular time that was talk- knocking on heaven's door and you may be knowing what song I'm talking about, I don't know. I remember listening to that, listening to the postal sir- and listening to those around me and laughing and living their lives. And here I, I understand that we are on the Titanic and the world is sinking and unless you come to Christ, you too, maybe we'll have wood underneath your fingernails. What an incredible thought that they tried to get in the ark, but it was too late. The door will close. The Bible mentions this in Matthew chapter 25, where there was 10 virgins. Five of them had an incredible understanding that they had their own oil. And five of them were borrowing oil from those constantly. And they said, give us of your oil. And they said, not this time. You go buy your own. And then they came back. The door was closed. If you're on the borderline this morning and saying, you know, I just don't know if I want to receive Jesus Christ, would you stop doing that and just receive him? It's the simplest thing you can do. Bow your head and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I realize that our culture is like it was in the days of Noah. And unless I turn to Jesus Christ and if I accept him as my Lord and savior, I too can enter into the ark. I can enter into Christ. What a powerful understanding. You know, you think about the law, you know, because people turn to the law many times and say, well, I keep the law. The law is that system instituted by God on Mount Sinai through Moses, the mediator. And it is the law of the covenant, the legal system. And then grace is an expression of God's kindness and favor under the new covenant. And Jesus Christ is the mediator. And so it is really the unlimited An unmerited favor of God is what we call grace, and by grace we are saved. Um, I I think about how uh, I used to, uh, these things uh, in my thought, in my mind, and, and, and had issues years ago with this understanding of grace, and I thought to myself uh, recently how important that I just let God be God and realize that if I Uh, would relax and rest in Christ, life goes a lot better. I maybe have told you a story recently, and I need to tell it to you again, because some of you are so worried about everything, 
and you're so full of anxiety that you can't even rest at night. Can I tell you that God is in charge of all things? He knows everything. I, I recently went to a funeral where uh, the, the young man stayed at home, never married. His mom and dad were farmers. Um, he never understood what it was like to date someone long term and to fall in love with them and to marry them and have children and, and have them go to school and graduate and so on. All he knows is the farming and his mom and dad and knows the farm. Loves the Lord, believes in the gospel of Jesus Christ, understands what grace is all about. I talked to him yesterday at length for a couple of hours. But when his father passed away and his mom passed away a few years ago, but when his dad passed away, they decided that they were going to do the graveside ceremony. I was not there. But he had been over to the, the graveside and the day before, and he said, now dad's, grandpa's buried here, grandma's here, I want my dad buried here, mom is buried here, and I'm going to be buried on the end, so there's two graves that haven't been used yet. You follow me? He's over at Roselawn saying that. So then he goes home, they go through the funeral, and then everybody goes from the church over to the graveside, and his grave is open, not the dad's. He gets a little upset over it, like I think justly so. He begins to fall apart somewhat and say, now this is not the way I planned it, this. So one lady come up and put his arm around her, around him, and she said, listen, you never married. God wanted you to be buried right where you thought your dad would be buried. And your dad will be buried on the end because you connected these two generations It's exactly what God wanted. And all of a sudden it clicked in his mind. Wow. God's in charge and I'm not. You see, sometimes we get so full of burdens and anxiety and cares. And tonight, I was going to preach a whole other message this morning. I kept going back to this one, going back and forth. I I was in my office thinking, what am I going to do? Talk to, talk to Kyle. He read scripture. I was going back and forth yesterday. And in the evening hours, I said, this is the one I'm going to do. And this morning when I got up, I was supposed to do the other one. So I don't know, really, if this is what I'm supposed to preach completely. But I know this. I'm going to preach two sermons today, and both of them are from God. And I'm going to be preaching on burdens tonight. And if you've got burdens, you come back tonight. I'll help you with a message so that you can understand what to do with your troubles. But... All of that anxiety and frustration. And then he got mad with the people that were there. Well, didn't I tell you I want a dad over here and me here? And this lady says, no, wait a minute. What did God want? You see, God could have controlled everything to where it would have been appeasing that particular individual. And that man in tears told me he learned a lesson. He learned a lesson that if you just let God be God, And stop trying to make it yourself. Listen, a self-prepared man will worship himself. But a God-prepared man and a God-yielding man will worship his God. And in the end, he'll be so happy. It may be some difficult times here on this earth, and it may be strange sometimes. But we go back to the understanding of God's grace and building an understanding of it. Uh, Grace does not help, by the way. It does it all. It's the absolute. Man under grace is not on probation, someone said. 
as to his life past. It does not exist before God. He died at the cross, and Christ is his life. I think it's important for us all to understand that to be able to just rest in God's grace is an incredible thing because it gives us such peace. Uh, When a believer sins, whether it be acknowledging knowingly or unknowingly, grace is is not withdrawn or diminished. It's not weakened because the Bible says, moreover, the law entered that that of, of uh, uh, that that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace did much more abound. So where sin shone the brightest, grace is shown even brighter. And some people would see say, "Well, I wish I would have been able to do this when I was younger, and I wish I wouldn't have made this decision, and I would have and could have and should have." Don't be that. Realize that God in his providential hand gave you the will at that particular time and you made those decisions and God is good and he's going to see to it that everything's going to work together for good. It's because of his grace and his almighty power. Charles Spurgeon had a little problem one time and I had never read anything concerning Spurgeon that would show me that he had difficulties, but... Recently, I read this illustration that Charles Spurgeon and Joseph Parker both had churches in London in the 19th century, and they were contemporaries. On one occasion, Parker commented on the poor condition of the children admitted into Spurgeon's orphanage. Of course, it was a popular thing in England to have orphanages attached to the church at that particular time. It was reported to Spurgeon, however, that Parker had criticized the orphanage itself. And so Spurgeon blasted Parker the next week from the pulpit. The attack was printed in the newspaper and became the talk of the town. Spurgeon blasted Parker. People flocked to Parker's church the next Sunday to see how he would respond. What would be his rebuttal? I understand Dr. Spurgeon is not in the pulpit today. This is what Parker said, because of business going on. So this is the Sunday they normally take an offering for their orphanage, and I know that they're not exactly where they should be. So God has laid it upon my heart, and I suggest that we take up a love offering for Spurgeon and his orphanage. So the ushers kept going back and forth, and they had to go back and forth three times to gather all of the money that was given. So later that week, there was a knock on Parker's study as he was reading the scriptures and in walked Charles Spurgeon. And he said, you know, Parker, you have practiced grace on me. You have given me not what I deserve. You gave me exactly what I needed. And that's the way our God is. He will give us grace. Not what we deserve, so to speak. He'll give us what we need. And you need grace, and so do I. But it's important for us to understand also that the grace of God is not limited. The riches of his grace. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. This is a wealth that has no limit 
having the grace of God. It's an abounding grace, according to Romans 5, verse number 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God. And the gift by grace, which is by one man, Christ Jesus, has abound unto many. And so really the key is, is really not only understanding grace, but has it been then discovered by you? You acknowledge it, but have you accepted it? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, we saw it there, by faith, Noah, being warned of God of the things not seen as yet, moved with fear, that's an incredible reverence, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. It is the man's responsibility to be the spiritual leader in the home and to guide the family spiritually to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And the wife will come along and be a help me to that, of course. But the dad needs to be understanding that Jesus was asking for his disciples to follow him. And we can follow him by grace. And so grace is always by what we would say faith. The Bible says, and of course, to, uh, uh, Titus chapter 2, verse number 11, I actually uh, quoted it earlier, but the address is Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that brings salvation hath appeared to all men. And so grace is available to all who believe. Noah was not a recipient of God's grace because of his family name. Not because he was a good person. Noah did not find grace because he was worthy of God's grace. Noah did not find grace because he was looking for it. He had been looking for it. He would have not recognized it when he found it because grace is an attribute of the Almighty God. For the grace of God hath appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So grace is given to every believer through unwarranted. You may not be the recipient of grace, but it has been made available to you. And so then grace detained. We see that in verses 5, 6, and 7. And uh, let's move along here. I think grace delivered. Uh, grace uh, provides salvation. And we know that. Listen to this verse. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It can't be any clearer that God shows us in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church at Ephesus, he tells us that grace is not something that we can earn. It is unmerited. It is a gift from God that he would give us his salvation freely. We don't have to work for it. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So grace brings us to the place of having an understanding that reconciliation with the Almighty God. I want to read a couple of verses to you and then close in prayer, but listen to these verses. Romans 5.20 says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And most gladly, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, I think today we have 
diminish somewhat in the power of the Spirit of God upon the Christian because we don't understand what grace is all about. And if grace really has given us to live godly in this present world, then it is, an ex- it is a power to be able to exhibit what God wants us to exhibit. And I want to share with you that, that if you don't have that this morning, you can have it because of the grace of the Almighty God. He desires to give you that power and that ability to live godly in this present world. I found out through the years of living my Christian life and being a pastor for uh, going on 26 years now at this church, 26 years, I understand this, that you can't give something away that you don't have. And have you ever seen ungracious Christians? It is because they have been living their life by their own way, and they have not understood the grace of the Almighty God. I had a, a grandpa, uh, this is his, he, someone built it for him so he could sit at the table and have his Bible close because his eyes got kind of bad at when he was older. And, and uh, this was my grand, grandpa McCluskey's. And he was an entertainer, got on a rail car and went all the way to California, started playing instruments and his violin in a brothel, whatever that is. That's what he did to make money. And uh, got on the train, came all the way back to Wisconsin. His parents lived here. They divorced. And my my grandpa, my grandpa decided that he was going to play in his instruments and drink beer and whatever, you know, play this song, you know. He was a comedian too, so he'd make people smile and, But he was a good Catholic, right? That's what he told everybody. He was from Ireland. And Jim McCluskey was liked by everybody. But he was on his way to hell. And I remember his drinking got so bad that he wound up in a place in Chicago on the streets and he froze his feet. They had to take off half his foot on one foot and took off some toes on the other foot. This is my grandpa Jim McCluskey. You know, and kind of messed up my grandma's life, kind of messed up his kid's life, and then he was asked to come to church here in Madison to a church called Evangel Temple. Now it's called the Evangel Life Center. They're down by 12 and 18. And uh, he heard the preacher preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And my grandpa later on got so messed up, he was in the hospital. And there was a man named Jerry Caps that came up and saw my grandpa and said, I want to pray with you, Jim. So he got real close to my grandpa's bed, and my grandpa had a hold of the sheets, and he was going, I don't know what I'm going to do, Jerry. Jerry and him would play in bars, and Jerry had come to Christ and wasn't playing in the bars anymore. My grandpa just pulled the sheets back, and I could just see him, and just so frustrated, what am I going to do? I don't have any feet left hardly, and I drink all the time. I don't know. I'm so frustrated at myself. I just have self-hate. And so he went back to that church, and a man took him into a little room and led my grandpa to Christ, and he got saved. And there was a click in his mind and in his heart, and he became a deacon and a song leader of a church. My grandpa did that. Do you know why? 
because he put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ completely. Not his religion, not his Lutheranism or whatever, Catholicism or even being a Baptist or whatever. He put his faith and his trust in Jesus Christ. I miss my grandpa. I'd say, I got a problem, Grandpa. He'd say, come on, Deanie boy, sit down and talk to me. You know, don't you call me Deanie boy, I'll slap you. <laughs> you know. But he would say, come here, let's talk. You know what happened? He gave me some grace. Because he experienced grace. And when we experience God's grace, we have something to give away. But if we've never experienced it, all we are is just stiff, regimented people that go through some kind of an orthodox-type atmosphere and don't serve anybody. We don't even realize who people are because we don't understand who God is. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to help you understand that Christianity is a relationship with the God of heaven. And I praise God for those that have come to that faith and put their faith in Jesus Christ alone. Every time I have somebody pray the sinner's prayer, I never get, it never gets old. I just love to hear it because they need guidance and understanding. And that's what we're here for. The Bible says, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I'd rather, in my, rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon all the struggles and difficulties that you're going through, give them to God. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain thee. He will not suffer the righteous to be moved. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Have you found grace in the eyes of the Lord? It's because you haven't been looking at the Lord. If you look really close, you'll see your name. It's right there written not in his eyes, but on his hands, if you come to him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Have you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Have you done that? Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've been putting your trust in in just being a good person, and you don't understand it all completely. But maybe today you'd say, I'm going to give my heart to Jesus Christ completely. I'm going to give him all of me. Maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm still struggling with this. I don't know for sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I don't know for sure. But I need your prayers. No one looking around, would you just say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I'm not sure, but I'd like to know. I won't point you out, but I'll pray for you. Is there anyone? Just lift up your hand so I can see you nice and high. Is there anyone? Thank you for your honesty, sir. Anyone else? Anyone else? Then, Christian, this message was for you. It's God's grace that saved you, but it's God's grace that will sustain you. And maybe you just need to come to him today again and give it all back to him again. Maybe it's that you've never moved forward with baptism by immersion, and that's what God has laid upon your heart. Why don't you come? Maybe it's church membership. If that's in your life and you need anything, come and I'll help you with it this morning. I'll be up here. If you just need to pray, I'll leave you alone. You can pray and talk to God. Would you just please stand with me? 
no one looking around. Let's have an invitation. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.